we would all like a little bit more financial stability, right? A little bit more financial freedom. We don't want to be in debt. We don't want to be owing all these people money and we don't want to be stressing the F out about how we're going to pay bills or how we're going to retire comfortably. And I came across this podcast episode from the Iced Coffee Hour with George Camel. Now he is from the Dave Ramsey Show. If you haven't seen that, then Dave Ramsey, he's a radio host and he gives out financial advice to the average person, the everyday American. It's American, right? But still the average person. And it's all about wanting to be debt free and living a free life, being free to do what you want with your money. And if you haven't seen the Dave Ramsey show, then I highly recommend it because people call in and they're like, this is my money situation. And then they talk them through it, right? Give them solutions. And this is what this episode's about. So George went through the steps that they go through in the Dave Ramsey show. And this is interesting because it is the complete opposite to what a lot of people are used to. This society is built on debt. A lot of people out there use credit cards. Probably more people use them than don't. And we've created this society where everything is just put on credit. Just put it on a credit card. You lease your car. You get a loan for your house. And it's very easy to get into debt. And it's easy to get into debt because the system is designed that way. It's designed to keep you broke. And this is what George said. The people who call in to the show, it's the debt that's really dragging them down. The situation that they've gotten themselves into with this debt that is seemingly normal to get yourself into and you know a lot of people will blame inflation the housing market interest rates but it's not that and we're going to get into all of that that's the whole point of this episode today now what was interesting about this conversation is that george was coming from one perspective he was coming from the average person that's the kind of person he's trying to help the average guy wanting to be debt free to have a stress-free life with their money and as you'll see when i get through all of these points in this episode he is very much for no debt, not relying on debt to live. Whereas Graham Stephan, the host of the podcast, and if you don't know who he is, he's a very big YouTuber all about finances and money and all of that. But he is very much about using credit to your advantage, using debt to your advantage. Now, there are pros and cons to this, like anything. But this conversation was very much focusing on George's perspective because, as I said, he's talking to the average person. Graham Stephan is usually talking, really, to the people who have their mindset sorted out, who are in very good financial positions, have very good careers, that kind of thing. They are already wealthy. And I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize. We are all tapped in to these YouTubers, these people out there giving financial advice or, you know, pretending that they're not, but kind of are. And it's very easy to think, okay, this is what Graham Stephan's saying. So that's the route that I'm going to go down because he knows what he's doing. He's successful. So you look up to him, right? But as I go through this episode, you'll see that George counters that idea and gives very good reasons why. The average person is the average person. They should not be looking at the rich, the wealthy, the people who are on a different level to them right? But like I said, it's very easy to look up to those people though. And you can, you can aspire to be like them, but you also need to understand where you are right now and where you need to start. Now, as I said, living off of debt is just the norm these days, right? It has been marketed to us to believe that this is how we live life. This is how we can have a good life. We just live off of debt. We use our credit cards. We lease our car. We get a loan for a house. And if you don't do those things, you're kind of weird, right? People who don't own a credit card or don't want to buy a house. Now, maybe not so much right now because, you know, housing market is a complete mess. But you know what I'm saying? It's weird if you're not part of this debt culture. You're the anomaly, the, the outlier. But you have to remember, and I don't think many people do, to be honest, is that 
living this way, living off of debt, having a credit card and all of that is very new. And, you know, it might not feel new because to us millennials, it's kind of our our whole adult life. That's exactly what we've been taught. It's kind of like, this is what you do. This is what life is. But our grandparents, for example, they weren't living off debt like this. To them, it's weird how everyone lives off debt. But we have all, all generations being sold. And this was obviously coming from George, who is American, and he speaks to the average American. But obviously over there, everyone's been sold the American dream, right? And the American dream is to have a good car and to have your own home and to be able to do those things. You have to get a credit card and to increase your credit score so that society knows that you are a good citizen and all of the rest of it. And this is what everyone goes along with, right? Everybody believes they need to get a credit card to increase their credit score so they can buy a home. So they blah, 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 blah. We all know this. But George also made the point that yes, previous generations didn't live like this, but it's also not global. Again, this is very much coming from an American perspective. And obviously I did not grow up in America. And I'm also aware that everybody's view of money is extremely different. How you were raised, how your parents dealt with money, the stories that they told you and instilled in you about money, is it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, even the country that you grew up in, it means that you see money in a different way to someone who grew up in another country. So for me, I don't know if my personal view of money and how I was raised is is mostly because of British culture. So then my mum passed the British culture down or because of my background, so my mum's background. And obviously it's going to be a mix. But I feel as though the way that Americans live off debt isn't the same as we do in the UK. There are elements, yes, everyone wants to own a home and people lease their cars and have credit cards and all of that. Credit score is a thing, but it does seem very, very prominent in the States. But again, I come from the viewpoint of a single mother, very working class. We didn't really have much. We had everything we needed, but you know, we didn't get extra stuff. But my mom never lived off credit. She never owned a credit card. And growing up, she very much drummed into me that if you do not have the cash, in your bank, then you don't buy it. So I don't even have a credit card right now. And I have always worked to save my money. If I wanted to do things, then I would save my money so I could do them. So I could just pay for things outright. So I didn't have to lease my car. I saved up and bought my own car. Granted, they were very crappy cars, but still. And this moves into the next point that Graham said the same thing. He bought his first home in cash because he didn't have a credit score. So he worked his butt off to save all this money and he was proud. He said that he was proud that he didn't have to have a credit card to pay for things, that he could save his own money. He could work and save and do the things he wanted to do without needing a credit card. So yeah, he said that he was proud that he had this money and he'd saved and all of that, but it kind of bit him in the butt because if he'd have been using a credit card, increasing his credit score, he wouldn't have had to have put all of his cash into buying his first home. And this goes back to what I said about George and Graham coming from different sides of the coin, pun intended there, but Graham got into credit cards because of this. He realized, okay, this is the society that I live in and having no credit. And even if I've got a bucket loads of cash it doesn't really get me that far now george came in against this because graham bought his first home like 10 years ago right things were different then and george said that he managed to get a mortgage without a credit score so things are starting to change and a lot of people believe that if you don't have a credit score then you're going to be paying through the butthole basically with the interest rates but 
apparently that's not the case now they don't super go into this and you know we're not here to give you mortgage advice or whatever but it is interesting and good to know that things are starting to shift a little bit because this is something that I always thought was really weird personally because like I said my mom has never owned a credit card she hasn't been building her credit score or anything like that but to me I was always like okay if you don't own a credit card if you don't borrow money from anyone ever why would you have a bad credit score i know that you haven't used credit to increase your credit but at the same time it's like you're working you're paying your bills you're not relying on anyone other than yourself to live your life then surely that should have some sort of standing because you're not borrowing from anybody you're paying your bills you're paying your rent or whatever and you're not in any debt yet this puts you at the bottom of i don't know not society because it doesn't but you get what I'm saying right it, yeah it always just boggled my mind when I was younger like and it still kind of does because it's like you're standing on your own two feet and banks and people who want to give you loans and all of that don't see that as a good thing so while we're on that credit cards George highlighted that he was tens of thousands of dollars in debt when he was using his credit cards and he said he just had these cards to get a bunch of free stuff and you know yeah some of these cards they sound great like me personally I was like oh I might get a credit card to get air miles right when I was traveling all over the place it made sense I mean I didn't do it though because I couldn't be bothered to look into it but this is the thing people are getting credit cards and they're not even utilizing the rewards now you tell me how many credit cards are in your wallet how many of them promise all these awesome rewards and how many of those rewards are you actually cashing in on now don't get me wrong I do know people who use these credit cards they get the rewards they are on top of it they know exactly what they can get they maximize it but I don't think this is the average person. And this is what George was saying, right? This is not what the average person does. They're like, oh yeah, that credit card sounds good. I want some extra air miles. I'm just gonna get that and use it. But then you don't really use it. You kind of forget. And apparently a lot of people don't even understand how their rewards work. And this is this is kind of why I don't have one. Like I said, I couldn't be bothered to look into it because I know that you have to look into it and understand it to really get the benefits of having it in the first place. Now, something that you also have to look at, if you do have some of these cards, maybe sit down and take a look at them. But a lot of times the rewards aren't even worth it, especially when you take into account the annual fees to even have one of these cards. And for the average person, it's just not worth it. You're paying these fees, but you're not really getting much back. But I think the main point here that George made was that most people using credit cards do not have the cash to pay them off. And, and this is the issue, right? It's all well and good if you own a credit card and you are trying to increase your credit score, you're trying to play the game, right? And you are paying it off each month. You have that cash to pay it off. But a lot of people aren't doing that. They're saying, I don't have the cash to pay for this. So I'll put it on the credit card. And that is just putting future you into potentially a nice deep hole, right? Because you've got to, you've got to get yourself out of that hole because you're in the hole. You are in a hole. If you are spending money you don't have, you're in a hole. And like I said, I come from a background where I was taught if you don't have the money, then you don't have whatever it is that you want. And in a lot of ways, I'm extremely grateful for that because I know that I have a certain mindset around money that a lot of people do not have. Now, it does somewhat stem from a little bit of a not tough upbringing but you know the purse strings were tight and we weren't well off and that comes with its own challenges right but yeah now as an adult and seeing the state that some people get themselves into it is something that I'm grateful for and you know if you are not like me and you're one of these people sat with a million credit cards in all of this debt then I'm not trying to rub that in I'm trying to help right it's 
looking at things in a different way. And this is the thing, because when it's so prevalent in society to just get these credit cards and to just spend money that you don't have and to worry about it later and then get yourself into this hole and then you're stressed and blah, and it just piles on. When everyone else is doing that, it's kind of like, at least you're not alone. But that doesn't mean that it's, you know, how things should be going. And it's important, like George and Dave Ramsey and Graham Stephan even, it's important for these people to come forward and be like, this is what we do and it works and this is how you can do it as well. So yeah, let's keep going. Like I said, we all come from different perspectives around money and all of that, but it's a lot of psychology, right? Money is psychology. It is, like I said, we all come from different backgrounds, different perspectives. We see it all very differently. You might be sat there going, I don't, I don't care if I'm in a hole with my credit cards. I can live the life that I want to live. And if I'm in a hole, who cares? And Well, that's your choice, right? But George highlighted that when you put money on a credit card, it doesn't feel like real money. It doesn't feel like you're spending your money because I guess technically at that moment, you're not. Someone else is paying for it. But the thing is, if you stick to only paying for things with the money that you have, you'll make very different decisions and you'll spend less. And again, I can attest to this because I've always only spent what I've got. And yeah, okay, again, this is kind of a thing that I'm very grateful for, that I am conscious of what I spend. And if there's something that I'm looking at buying and it's really expensive, and then I can think, okay, do I need this? Is there a cheaper alternative? You know, I take that step back and really consider the purchase before, rather than just slapping it on my credit card. But again, this also comes with cons, right? Because I do overthink a lot about what I spend and sometimes my purse strings are tighter than they need to be and it stops me from living the life that I actually want to live. So yeah, there's pros and cons to everything, of course, but I thought that was really interesting. When you're spending your money, you do look at it very differently, right? Because when you're seeing it go down and down and down on your bank account, there's a very different response psychologically as opposed to just tapping your credit card and thinking, oh, future me, I'll worry about that. And with these credit cards, this now this was something that I had never thought about and I'm really glad that George brought it up actually. And I think a lot of people probably aren't really that bothered either way, but I thought this was a very good point to bring up because we don't think about these things. But George said that he looked at a credit card company's revenue and found that two thirds were coming from interest. So the people who couldn't pay their debt. Now, those people reaping the rewards of that card are basically getting those rewards off the backs of people struggling financially. And he was like, it feels icky. I don't want to be a part of a system like that. And that's the thing, isn't it? If you are one of these people using credit cards and you're getting all these awesome rewards, you're feeding off of people who are struggling. Now, obviously that is not your fault. It is on them if they're struggling. If they're using a credit card and they cannot pay it off and they're paying this crazy interest because they can't pay it off, that is not any of your business. However, I think this is a very interesting way to look at it because like I said, I never thought about this and maybe you haven't thought about it either. Do you want to be part of something that, like that? Do you want to be feeding off of people who are struggling, who maybe just don't really realize what they're doing because this is what society sells you, isn't it? Get a credit card, lease your car, the whole American dream, the whole Western dream, whatever. If you get sucked into that, if you come from a perspective where you haven't really taken a step back, if your parents did the exact same thing and this is just what you think is normal, so you're just kind of trapped in that cycle, it's sad, you know, that a lot of people do think that this is just the norm. But if you know that it's kind of not the norm if you are good with your credit cards and all of that and your mindset is straight then yeah do you want to again feed off of the misfortune of others just something to think about right and that brings me on to mindset which is overall the main focus because as i've already said it's all about 
your perspective and your mindset and the psychology that you have personally around money. Now, most people think that they're vigilant with their spending and that they're responsible with their money, but they're not. You're probably not. This is one of those things that kind of gets distorted because of where we sit, what society tells you is good and bad, what you should be doing with your money, you know, yes, borrow money, live off of debt, get credit. So because you're doing what most people are doing, you think that you've got a handle on things. And if, you know, your friend down the road is worse off than you are, then that gives you a boost. It doesn't mean that you're doing well. It just means you're doing better than they are, right? And George really emphasized this. Most people just aren't aware of the psychological and mental aspects of money and the situation that they are in. I think, especially if you're in a bad situation, you can convince yourself that, oh, it's not that bad. Like I said, you just compare yourself to someone who's worse off than you, right? To make you feel, to make yourself feel better. But then this is where the conversation really got into George and Graham comparing. As I said, George is very much about the average person. Graham is sort of talking to the wealthy, the people who already have a handle on their psychology, their mental state around money. Now, like I already said, but I'm going to say it again, because this is kind of the main point. It takes different approaches depending on where you are, who you are, and what you're trying to achieve, right? Now they brought up Alex Hormozzi. So he tells people that you should never eat out because you're wasting time and money by eating at home. Now, okay, that's probably true for him, but he's making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. He could be wiping his butt with bloody money, you know? Are you wiping your butt with money? Probably not. So you should not be listening to Alex Hormozzi. He is not the average person. And this is what I said again, we shouldn't be listening to people who are all the way up into the clouds with their money and their mindset because we are not those people. We are average people and we should be listening to advice that is going to help the average person. But then the problem is most people want to be like the truly rich and the truly wealthy, right? Like I said before, we look up to these people and we aspire to be like them, but what people do is mimic their behaviors. So yeah, Alex Hormozzi says, don't eat at home, go and eat out. And then people do that and then they get themselves into a right plenty of mess. <laughs> now, even if you're not one of these rich and wealthy people, you may still have that mindset that mentality that can keep you in check. So this is not me tooting my own horn whatsoever, but I know that I have that mentality. I know that I keep myself in check. And yeah, like I said, that's kind of because it's been ingrained in me and it's somewhat trauma, you know, growing up without really having much and having to really be aware of the money that I was spending or my mom was spending, well, didn't spend. Yeah, that is somewhat trauma from my upbringing. But because that is in stilled in me, I know that I can keep myself in check. I know that if I had a credit card, six credit cards even, I wouldn't max them out. I'd pay them off. I wouldn't just be like, yeah, I'm just going to spend and have a great time. But again, this is what George was really highlighting is that data is telling us that people rarely have that mentality. And this is why George is very reluctant to advocate for getting a credit card. Whereas Graham is very much about getting credit cards and making them work for you. Now, before we move on to the next section, I need to ask you a favor. If this isn't your first time here and if you're enjoying this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe and follow the podcast. I absolutely love hearing from you guys. We have a good time, back and forth conversations, challenging each other. So if you wanna be part of that kind of community, I'd love to have you here. Thank you. Okay, so we've gone through the main issues with society and money and debt and mindsets and trying to act like the rich and wealthy when we are sorry, but it's also not a bad thing, just an average person. Now let's get into the Ramsey seven baby steps that Dave Ramsey believes are the best way to achieve financial freedom. So Ramsey seven baby steps. Now you want to do these in order, get a pen and paper if you want, or you know, these things are online anyway, but this is all about mentality and our behaviors and recognizing that in ourselves and attacking it. So like I said, 
the average person believes that they have this mentality that they are good with money that they can keep themselves in check but just be honest with yourself right if you can't that's fine you're in the majority to be honest but that also doesn't mean that you can't have that mentality that you can't work towards it that you can't make some changes we can all change at any moment in time so even if you're 20 or 50 or 80 whatever it is we can all change we can shift our perspective and we can shift our mentality as psychology right so step one save a thousand dollars for a starter emergency fund now four in ten people don't have a single cent or penny saved and that is terrifying to be honest but this first step isn't about having money Obviously, that's an added bonus, but this is to light a fire underneath you, right? And to get you moving, because if you are constantly living paycheck to paycheck, putting everything on a credit card and that kind of thing, then having a little bit of money in your bank account is going to really excite you. You're going to be proud of yourself for saving that money and you're going to look at it and be like, oh, this is this is great. I want more. And obviously that can be detrimental. You don't want to get really greedy, but yeah, but this is the mental hurdle, right? Of saving money that you need to get past first. Because if you are one of these four in 10 people who don't have things saved, don't have a penny saved, you have to take this step. So that's step one. Step two, pay off all consumer debt, so, but not your house. So credit cards, anything that you have on a credit card, your car, anything like that, pay it off. Now, what you want to do here is pay the minimum payments on everything except the smallest thing. Now, that smallest thing, whatever it is, sell other stuff so you can pay that off completely. So that will free yourself up. You'll have one less payment to worry about. So say you have five different kinds of debt, right? Five different payments. That smallest one, pay it off. Sell things, do what you've got to do, pay it off. So then you only have four. Mentally, again, psychologically, that's much better. Now, in terms of timeframes, this will take about one to two years to clear usually. So all of your debt, all of your credit cards, anything that you owe, apart from your house, remember, apart from the house, takes about one to two years. And I think this is important to know because I think a lot of people think, oh, I've got to pay off my consumer debt. Okay, step two, pay off consumer debt. And you think that you have to do it immediately. And it's like, no, 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 calm down. Give yourself some time. These things take time, like everything takes time. So yeah, one to two years is usually how long people take. So bear that in mind. Now with this step, you want to pause all investments. So if you have any investments, pause them, stop investing. Now this is interesting because George said that he could have made roughly $40,000 on his Apple stocks that he owned before he sold them. But he said that, I don't think about what could have been. And I like that. I think that is good because hindsight and looking back and what could have been and all of that, that's why, why, <laughs> why put yourself through that torture? You are here. This is where you are. Look at where you are. There's no point being like, oh, I could have made this much on my Apple stocks if I didn't stop investing. Because as well, the point here is to get out of debt faster. Get yourself out of debt as fast as you can and then you can make up for lost time. You can reinvest then without any debt. So all the money you make on your investments is yours. Because until you're out of debt, this is the thing, right? Until you are out of debt, your money is not yours. And that's how you have to look at it, right? Now, obviously with this step, if you're trying to pay off your debt, some things are going to have to go. So don't be going out to eat all the time. Buy in. Don't listen to Alex or Mosey. Get your groceries in. Do not eat out. You have to be frugal. And I know some of you are like, nah, you lost me. I like to eat out. Tough. You know, if you want to be out of debt and you want to be able to go and eat out whenever you want, that is for future you when you are not in debt. Because put it this way, right? You are living a lifestyle that does not match your money situation. And you shouldn't be trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever the latest saying for that is because you know i'm not calling him anymore <laughs> if you cannot afford the lifestyle that you are living 
then don't live it. And again, like investing, if you just have to put a pause on that lifestyle until you are out of debt, then suck it up basically, right? I think a lot of people worry too much about how they're coming across to other people and it's all a facade. And it is a facade because you're in thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, but it's okay because I look like I'm rich to everybody else. Screw that. So in short, very sorry, also not, you can't live the lifestyle that you've been living if it is just all based on debt be frugal, cut yourself off from people if you have to, cut back on things, who gives a crap about what anyone else thinks, sort your life out, give yourself the chance to actually live the life that you want to live, not just put on this front and then behind the scenes, you are a mess, you are stressed and you have just debt after debt after debt piling up, okay, okay, all right, next step, save three to six months of expenses, so this usually takes people around six months to do, again, the timeline thing, right, So me and my partner have done this. We've sat down and gone, okay, what are our expenses? What do we spend each month? And then we've made an active effort to save our three to six months of expenses. It's simple maths, you know, put everything together. Now, step four, invest 15% of your household income into retirement. Now, this is something that I know most people don't think about. Retirement, who cares? I'm 31. I don't care about retirement. Am I 31 or am I 32? Oh damn, I'm 32. I swear, once I turn to like 28, I just stopped counting. So yes, I am 32. But obviously retirement, generally 32 year olds, not really thinking about it because who cares? It's 30 years away, whatever, 30 plus years. But you need to start thinking about it and taking it seriously because when you're older as well, you know, there are less opportunities for you potentially. You're not as sprightly and able as you once were. Things are different and you don't, you also don't want to be grafting and grinding and starting a new career or, I mean, I mean, maybe you do, but you know what I'm saying? Like on average, when you're in your sixties, you want to be chilling and you don't want to be stressed out about money because you didn't make enough when you were able to, and you didn't save enough and all of the rest of it. So obviously saving for retirement is different in each country. So look at what you can do in your country, learn and look, I get it. If you think that it's boring because finance to me was so boring and I just did not care and I didn't want to learn it and all of the rest of it. But honestly, if you start learning about compound interest and you see that mint, like a very small amount of money being put into an investment over time and how it compounds and the kind of money that you can make off of like practically no money is astounding. So I'd start there. If all this stuff really bores you and you just don't care, start to care and look at compound interest because that will pique your interest because it piqued mine. I was like, I can make how much with only what now? (laughs) So yeah, start there. Now, George and Dave Ramsey, they are from the States, like I already said, and they are people of faith. Now, if that's not your thing, that doesn't really matter because they're still trying to help people gain financial freedom, be stress-free. If the whole religious aspect doesn't sit right with you, then like I said, it doesn't really matter. But George did mention that 2,300 scriptures talk about money and wealth in the Bible. And he said that one of them says that money gained quickly will leave just as fast, but money gained slowly will stay with you. Now, I think this is a very, again, for the average person, this is a very important thing to understand. If you are trying to make quick money, you know, getting in on not scams, but sort of like the hottest financial thing of the moment, and you're trying to make money quickly with minimal work and that kind of, we all know that kind of thing, right? And if you pull it off, you make a quick buck, right? Say you make 10 grand and it's like, wow, amazing. George said, again, with the whole mentality of the average person, right? You make 10 grand really quickly, you will spend it just as fast. 
I think there's that mentality of like, oh my God, I made this so fast. And I think you can delude yourself into thinking that you'll do it again and again and again. And a lot of times that is not going to happen. That is just going to be a one-off thing. And then you get excited, right? And if you're not used to managing that kind of money, having that kind of money come in all at once, then yeah, it's very easy to get carried away. And then it just gets spent. But this point for me personally, again, from my perspective, is that I don't think that there's anything wrong with making money quickly. Again, it is that mindset. If you can get yourself in check, if you can make money quickly, great. That's awesome. It's what you do with it mentally afterwards. So if you can get yourself in line and you can sort out your psychology with money, what is wrong with making money quickly? You just need to learn how to keep that money. Don't blow it, right? Then this conversation went into lottery winners. Of course, like a lot of lottery winners, yeah, they get all this cash and then they just spend it because they aren't financially literate. They have not sorted out their mentality around it. They are just suddenly rich and it's very, very easy to spend money. But there's also that element with lottery winners, right? You haven't earned that money. If you haven't earned that money, it's even easier to spend it. But within this part of the conversation, George also mentioned crypto. Now, crypto is one of those things, right? You either see it as a complete scam, you don't understand it, it's just this weird thing that people are doing and you just don't get it, or or you're basically very much in it, very much aware of it, very much wanting to be a part of it. But when George mentioned crypto, it was very much in a negative way, and I understand because because it is new and there are lots of scandalous things that have happened in the crypto space and you know, there are people who try and get in and think that they can just make a quick book and then get out and all of the rest of it but again this is from my perspective so this is my viewpoint take it or leave it but I'm also very biased here because my fiance trades crypto and if this is something that you're into then Alexo Crypto is his YouTube channel they have an awesome community over there and I know some of you watch this so if you are watching don't forget to drop an otter in the comments but I have watched him grind and grind and grind to understand crypto to understand the financial economical world overall and yes there are people who get into crypto they cause chaos or they are scammers or they're trying to cheat the system or whatever but if you take it seriously it is work it is so much work and it is so much understanding it's not just buying and selling bitcoin understanding the systems knowing what the blockchain is, knowing what different coins and tokens and all of the rest of it does, how it all links together, knowing that news is going to make crypto go up or go down, knowing when that news is coming out, knowing what is going on in the economy, knowing what is going on in the US, but then also other countries and how they're adopting crypto and all of the rest of it. And this is not meant to be a speech about how amazing crypto is. I am just saying that it is a very misunderstood space, but it ties in perfectly with all of this because I have seen my fiance struggle. I have seen him struggle mentally because it is all mental. It is all psychology. And this is what we're talking about, right? If you are trying to get into crypto and you can't even manage regular money, then don't even think about crypto. Do not even look at it because it is such a mental game. If you do not have that ability to graft and grind and to understand everything, and to also keep yourself in check and to not be greedy and to keep yourself humble, then just don't even go anywhere near it. Right? Because like I said, I've watched my fiance go through this. And yes, the thing with crypto is you can make money. You can make so much money very quickly. And this is George's point, right? Making money very fast for seemingly little work. But like I said, it's not little work. If you're doing it properly, it is so much work. But if you make a ton of cash, you can lose it just as fast. And again, I've seen my fiance do this, but 
It has been such a learning curve for him and he has got his mindset on track, his psychology around money, making it, keeping it, not losing it, giving himself a budget and knowing where he is mentally that day, taking a break if he knows that he is not in the right mental space. Again, it is all psychology. And yeah, okay, like I said, crypto is misunderstood. That's kind of not really the entire point here though, but it all is all psychology. So as I said, if you are not mentally sound to deal with money coming in quickly, then don't rely on that kind of thing. And going back to the whole point, this step, right? Invest your money, invest 15% of your income because that will compound over time. That is income that you have earned. You can put it away and it will gain more and more money as time goes on. That for the average person mentally is very stable. It's simple. Okay, I'm going to put my money here. It will grow. The end. Because again, a lot of us can't do crypto. A lot of us cannot trade stocks and crypto and be in that financial aspect of the world because it is so mentally tough. It is draining. And if your head is not in the right space, yes, you can make a lot of money, but then yes, you are going to lose it all just as fast. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Step five, save for your children's college fund. Now, again, this depends where you live. It's not even, I mean, in Scotland, you don't even have to pay for college. So, you know, maybe move to Scotland if you don't want to pay, but yeah, obviously this is different for everywhere, even in England. No, sorry, Wales. I went to school in Wales and it was three grand a year when I went. The following year, it went up to nine. Now I only paid the three because that's when I got in. But yeah, everyone who went to university after me went up to nine, from three to nine. So anyway, we all know college can be expensive. But right now, degrees do not equal success in a lot of professions, right? So this is something to think about. Obviously, you don't know what your kids are going to want to do, but you are the parent, so you can obviously guide them into I mean not force them into professions they don't want to go into if they want to be a doctor they need to go to uni right but there is that element of teaching your children especially these days that you can gain knowledge and skills without even going to university so you know maybe you won't need to save for your kids college fund but this is the next step either way depends where you are in life as well maybe you already have kids who are trying to go to college and maybe you want to have that fund just in case your kids do want to go to college at some point now, step six, pay off your home entirely. So knuckle down, run the numbers. How quickly can you pay it off? Because you can be paying it off for the next 40 years if you want. You know, you can really slow it down, whatever. But again, it comes back to when you were paying off that consumer debt, right? How quickly can you pay it off if you just lived a bit more frugally for a while so that you can gain that financial freedom so that that home is yours? It is yours. Now, I think this point is kind of, not really a huge issue for a lot of people. They're kind of like, well, it's my home and it's long-term and I'm just going to pay it off on the regular schedule. But this is step six that Dave Ramsey suggests, right? So this is what I'm, I'm telling you. And I do not own a home right now, so I'm not going to chime in on this. But yeah, he says, do it as fast as you can to free yourself up. But the thing is, don't live a miserable life in the meantime. There has to be balance, right? So yeah, it's not about really, really tightening the purse strings just so you can pay off your house and then you're miserable in the meantime because... Well, that's no good, right? Live your life, but if you can pay it off quicker, maybe you can shave even just a few years off your mortgage, right? That's gonna be awesome. It frees you up a few years earlier. So yeah, that's step six. Now, step seven, build wealth and give. Now again, George went into some biblical points here, but it's interesting. He said, Dave always says, better than I deserve. So yeah, that's biblical, but Dave always says it because humans have a sinful nature. Basically, we're all very selfish, right? So this is a way for him to remind himself that he 
has all of this stuff and it's more than he deserves. And I think that's humbling, right? Because especially these days, a lot of us can feel very entitled and feel like that we should be rich and that if so-and-so over there has got all this money, then why don't we have this? Why don't I have this money? I should have it too. Yeah, there's just a very big sense of entitlement. And, and yeah, we're all chasing money, you know, in a lot of ways. We all want money. We all want more for ourselves. But sometimes, yeah, we should take that step back and go, you know what? There's a roof over my head and I have food on my table. I drive a car. I have a job. Yeah, this biblical point better than I deserve. I kind of like it, you know, not, not to like put us all down and say that we're all sinful and selfish, but we are that it's kind of the truth. Right. But I also like it because it's a good perspective to have so that when you do have things or things are given to you, then having that mindset of wanting to give back, not being like, Oh, I've got all this money now, or people keep giving me all of this stuff and then keeping it to yourself like a selfish little a-hole instead trying to give back to others as well. Because there's also that thing, right? Where it's like the more you give, the more you get. And I mean, I don't think that you should be giving just to get though. Obviously it's all how you look at things, but but yeah, I'm a very big believer in giving back and I see it work, you know? And again, not to do it in a manipulative way. Don't be giving just because you want to get things back because the universe knows, right? The universe knows that that's what you're trying to do. But I see it all the time. All these generous people just freely giving of themselves, not expecting anything back. And, you know, they won't directly get back what they give but they'll get something back in some roundabout way and it might not be now it might be in 10 years but it just it works out and I'm sure you know people like this as well but under this point George said that you should have goals to give back and to step away from making those selfish decisions right have a deeper why so you know what you're doing it all for and I think I've definitely hit a point in my life where I feel like I need to do this more. And my fiance and I are talking about starting a family and there is a lot to that, right? That is a deeper why, that is a bigger why, that is a huge responsibility. And I think it is one of the, not basic, but obvious ways, right? To give back. What are you doing it all for? If you have children, you're doing it for them in a lot of different ways. You know, you're trying to give them everything that they need. You're trying to parent them in a way so that then they can give back when they are able to, giving them that perspective of trying to be less selfish with our money and what we do in the world. And what George outlined, which I really like, I've been thinking about ever since I listened to this podcast, give, spend, save. Those are the only three things that you can do with your money. So plan for all three. Now, this is something that I don't do. And this is something that I definitely, definitely want to do. I'm good at saving. I've always been good at saving because like I said, I had to spend. We're all good at that. We all do that. I mean, naturally you have to, you can't live without spending, but giving, yeah, that last point, right? What do you give? And obviously if you're at the very start of this journey, if you're on step one, if you do not have a penny to your name, do not be giving your money out to people, you know, do not be giving things that you do not have. You do. There is that element of you have to have your foundation first you have to have you know the bare minimum at least for yourself because you have nothing to give otherwise but yeah this whole giving aspect the give spend save I like that and yeah giving if you can once you're at that point and you can give I think this is something that we should all think about more but again if you're not there you're not there then that's fine now obviously we haven't realized these steps pull you away from using credit and guide you to relying on your own funds if that seems really alien to you then I mean, that maybe these are the kind of steps that you do need to take. Yeah, if you are heavily relying on credit, then maybe this is the big leap that you need to take. And as you know, I'm a big advocate for this, especially when taking into account the psychological aspect. Because if you're proving to yourself that you cannot be trusted with using credit, then why are you? 
why are you so where are you on those seven steps are you at step number one trying to save that first thousand or are you a little bit further along are you a credit fiend and there is no way in hell you will even try this because as i said we all have very different views on money, different perspectives different upbringings and this may make complete sense to some of you but this may be absolutely terrifying to others but if that is terrifying to you and it doesn't kind of make sense maybe that is something that you should be trying but maybe you're somebody who has that mentality to keep themselves in check maybe you're not following these steps maybe you do live off a little bit of credit if you have any tips for the average person remember this is very much for the average person we're not talking about alex hormozy or graham stefan or, or these wealthy people who are very stable and who can be a little bit riskier with their money and make credit work for them we're talking about the average person if you have any tips leave them in the comments because obviously let's help each other and I'm very aware that certain things will not work for certain people, but that does not mean that you cannot become financially free and clear your debt. This, these steps may not work specifically, but there may be other things that do work. So again, if you do have anything, put them in the comments. And as always, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you.